And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. To end 2021, we're talking to each of The Athletic's eight full-time staff writers covering North American soccer, and we're asking them about their favorite story they did this year. Today, Sam Stasekel discusses his deep dive into MLS club valuations and his quest to figure out why very, very rich people are paying hundreds of millions of dollars for MLS ownership rights. I'm Alex Abnos, and this is Soccer Every Day for Thursday, December 23rd. But first, your TV guide, and since we're taking off tomorrow for Christmas Eve, it's really going to be for this whole weekend. Today, though, is pretty barren. If you absolutely must watch a game, I'd recommend PSV Eindhoven versus one of my favorite club names in the entire world, Go Ahead Eagles. That's at 12.45 p.m. Eastern on ESPN+. There is much, much less going on tomorrow and on Christmas, understandably so. My recommendation there would be to watch an old game of your choice, or if you're in a family like mine, which likes to play overly competitive games against each other at holiday gatherings, watch that or play in it, whichever is more fun. Sunday is Boxing Day, which any soccer fan knows is a huge day for the sport in the United Kingdom. There are a bunch of fun matchups on tap. 18 of the 20 Premier League teams are in action, and I don't really want to give any of them top billing because all those games tend to be really, really fun. Just know that there are games happening pretty much nonstop, starting at 7.30 a.m. and ending at about 5 p.m. Okay, this week we're having everybody talk about their favorite stories of 2021, and I have Sam Stayskull here with me. Sam, I'm letting everybody choose the story to talk about, and you chose a story that was published back in March, but it really feels to me like you were talking about this story and reporting it out for many, many, many months before that. In fact, I often think of it as a 2020 story, even though it's very much not. Uh, it's a it's about a subject that might sound a little dry just uh, to some, but once you are presented with even the most basic facts, it becomes incredibly interesting. It's about the valuations of MLS clubs, which are objectively extremely high for reasons that are kind of mysterious, but maybe less mysterious after reading your story, which goes into a lot of depth about all the different factors at play. The headline on the piece, Quote, they're like tech stocks, end quote, why MLS team valuations have gotten so high. That story will be linked in the show notes. But Sam, let's start with this. Why were you so interested in the story? What's what's the origin story of this piece? Yeah. So I always had like an idea of why MLS teams are valued so high. But that didn't change the fact that every time I would see a price and I every time I would see the price of like Newcastle United, say, yeah. I would still get that sticker shock every single time. And if me, a person who, you know, is relatively informed about the goings on of this league, if I do say so myself, I think that's um, fair to say, <laughs> understands understands the general idea of why that is the case and why a team like, you know, Real Salt Lake is valued higher 
the Newcastle United, right? Or Everton or some of these big Premier League clubs. Um, but I, I still, I still get the shock. Then how must the audience feel when they see that? And so I just basically, this is something that I've been curious about for a long time. And I'm like, why don't we put this down on paper and write kind of the definitive piece of, okay, here's why, here's why these MLS teams are valued higher than basically all, but the biggest clubs in Europe at this point. And so that was the motivation. Well, who did you talk to th- for this piece? Because I would imagine that staring at a subject like this as a as a as a writer is pretty daunting. Because you probably immediately realize that there are about three million factors that go into it. Yeah, um, and that's why the story is three million. Words <laughs> that's why the story is as long as it is. Um, but simultaneously, there are factors that people are maybe not going to be super uh, eager to talk about because reasons because they you know they, they have they have a special formula so so who did you talk to for this what sort of perspectives did you feel like you had to get uh, in order to do the piece yeah. in as much depth as you were able to so obviously i wanted to get some voices at the ownership level we were able to get a couple of those um my buddy paul tenorio interviewed joe mansueto and he snuck in a couple of questions for me on this topic which yeah. was very kind of him i spoke to another owner um on background so you know that person's name wasn't put in the piece, but they gave some good insight. Club executives, presidents, um, CBOs, chief business officers, those kinds of people, um, as well as people outside the league. You know, I I spoke to Andrew Zimbalist, who is a a professor, an economist, um, you know, somebody that has written books about these sorts of topics. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, he was helpful. And then I spoke to um, a guy named Greg, Greg Carey, who is a big time banker at Goldman Sachs, who has worked on billions of dollars worth of sports acquisition deals and stadium deals. And and I think worked on 11 MLS stadium deals in particular. So, so he is very familiar with the owners, with the executives at the league and very familiar with the space in general. And then, you know, some other folks as well, a guy named AJ Swoboda, who, uh, is managing director of the North North American sector for for something that was at the time called Twenty First Club is now called Twenty First Group, which is kind of like a analytics consulting firm that advises all kinds of soccer teams, both here in the states and over in England. Um, yeah. You know, so so people like that that are working on deals, um, that are advising people that have touched these things in the past and and can really explain where they might be headed in the future. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Well, I'm not going to ask, and we don't need to get into the specifics of, you know, the the, the, the basically the answer to the question, uh, because that's all in the piece, and people should read the piece, and I don't want to bog down this 
discussion too much with that, but I this am curious. This would be a long podcast. This would be a very long podcast, and I don't know. Um, frankly, I, sh- I would rather people just read the piece, but I am curious. <laughs> uh, what in the course of reporting surprised you? Like, what did you learn that you weren't expecting to learn? Because you, you said you had an idea going in of like generally what the deal was, but was there anything that really caught you by surprise? A factor in in pricing out these teams that you hadn't anticipated? There wasn't a huge surprise to me. I would say if there was one thing that, you know, maybe stood out a little, it was how much emphasis they put on what people in this world call player trading, which is selling players for for those of us and and those those laymen, you know, like us that are listening. Yeah. Um, And that's, uh, you know, you take a step back and you're like, duh, of course, that makes sense. That's a massive area of growth for MLS, yeah. right? Like if MLS can get into the transfer market and actually start making money, right? That's an area that they haven't tapped into. That's a huge revenue stream. And that factors in that factors into valuations for clubs, Interesting. right? And, and so that's, that's something that, you know, I didn't think... I really understood at least to the degree to the degree that I maybe should have understood it. Yeah. Um, but the main thing here is that this is a growth prospect, right? Sure. Everyone said buying the growth. That was like the buzzword. And it's just kind of like, Hey, MLS is, it's kind of like a high floor investment right now. It's low risk and the potential for this sport to take off um, and this league to take off, maybe to a slightly lesser degree, is massive. And so if you're a person who bought into MLS in 2009, right, or 2010, like Merritt Paulson, the owner of the Timbers, or Adrian Hanauer, the owner of the Sounders, who bought in for 30 and $35 million, you know, those their clubs are now valued at like north of 500, north of 600. It's pretty right? decent. <laughs> and the Timbers have made some real infrastructure investments and improvements, right? So, like, that's one reason why their growth has gone. The Sounders haven't. They haven't even – they haven't built a facility. They haven't built a stadium. They haven't done any of that stuff. And both of these teams, you know, from what I understand, are relatively close to break even every year in terms of operating profits and losses. So you're relatively close to break even. In the case of the Sounders, you haven't even made big infrastructure investments. And the valuation of your club has gone from 30 million when you bought in. It's gone up 20x in in basically a decade. That's crazy, right? And so even people that are buying in now at much higher prices, right? So David Tepper, he comes in and buys an expansion slot for Charlotte in December 2019 for 325 million. Right, and he's putting money and infrastructure and into the first team, and his startup costs are significantly higher than what what they were for owners ten years ago. But if Charlotte in twenty, thirty, forty years can one day be a two, three, four, five billion dollar club, right? Then, then what an investment that would be. And then the other thing, the last thing, Alex is is just kind of to remind myself. The main thing, actually, that I, not surprised, but that I needed to emphasize to my to my own thinking was how long-term they view this stuff, right? Like we think about these things. When we say long-term, you're thinking, ah, eight, nine, 10 years, maybe, mm-hmm. right? Maybe five. Sure. When long-term to an owner, 50, 100, right? Like that's the time scale that they're thinking on. And when you think about it in those terms, 
um, things start to make more sense about MLS. That's interesting. And the, the point about player trading is also really interesting because many of the owners that you're talking about here are also owners or have previously been owners in other American sports where selling and buying players a transfer market just does not exist in the same way that that it that it exists in soccer. So that's also pretty interesting. What what sort of re- reaction did you get from this piece after it came out? I would imagine that you had uh maybe some of some of the owners that you talked to and some of the owners that, that you didn't talk to uh getting in touch. I I'm assuming this. I don't know if that was actually the not, case. Not really, actually. Okay. Um uh, you know, I'll occasionally hear from people around the league about things that I write and Sometimes they're in agreement with them. Sometimes they're in disagreement with them. Yeah. Maybe a little upset, whatever. That's the thing that happens to journalists all around the world about all kinds of different stories. Um, this one, I think most of the most of the feedback that I got from people within MLS was kind of like, yeah, like I think you hit most of the stuff that needed to be hit. And like, you know, I, I feel like uh, I've been branded in some ways as a person that rags on the league a lot. Um, fairly or unfairly. And this one um, was almost a little refreshing for me in that sense <laughs> because I don't want to say it was like a positive story. It certainly wasn't a negative story, but it was, you know, it's telling an interesting story for the league that's kind of like, hey, here's why this crazy phenomenon is happening and here's why it's probably going to continue, yeah. right? And and so like that was, the feedback I got was kind of matter of fact in that way, if that makes sense. It does. Um Last question for you, Sam. Uh, what's something about that maybe didn't make it into the story or something about your reporting process uh, that isn't obvious in the story that people should know uh, when they read it? Hmm. You're testing me here. This feels yeah. so long ago now. Um, like I was, I, I looked back and when you when you prompted me, what was your favorite story of this year? And I'm like, I think it was this one, but I don't know if that was 2021. Yeah. And it was. Um, I mean, I would. I think I would just say it again. I've already talked about it a bit, but the the long time horizons that they view these things on are critical. Um, and then, you know, one element that I haven't mentioned is that that is a big factor in all of this too. It's not just the 2026 World Cup and what that could do for the growth of the sport in the league. It's the relationship with League MX too. And since this story came out, we've learned a lot more about that. Right? <laughs> yes, we have. In, 20, in 2023... The League's Cup is becoming a full-ass tournament between every single team in MLS and League MX, and it's going to shut both leagues down for a full month, right? And so when you're talking about media rights and capturing League MX fans who live in the United States but aren't necessarily MLS fans and really kind of using that league as a vehicle for growth of this league, right, that's a major, major thing, um, a major, major opportunity for MLS, and now we know how they're going to try and take advantage of that opportunity to a degree that we did not know uh, when I reported this story. So I think that's interesting too. The the league MX element is is a big big deal in this. Yeah, absolutely. I was I was also rereading the story in preparation for for talking to you about it, and I came to that section about league MX. I was like, hey, we, <laughs> we know more about this now. I get the feeling that I'm going to come back to the story and see other uh, factors that you mentioned that will all of a sudden. Uh, be relevant again and continue to be relevant through the years. I recommend the story wholeheartedly to everybody out there listening. Sam, thank you so much for coming on and talking about it. Thank you, Alex. Thank you for letting me do stupid stories like this. Write them 8,000 words long. The whole point of the show is that it's not a stupid story, Sam, but okay. (laughs) You're welcome. stupid, but in the weeds, (laughs) stories like this. Okay. Just let me say thank you. All right. You're welcome. (laughs) 
This show is produced by Mike Zimmerman with help from John Hayes. You can get ad-free versions of the show by subscribing to The Athletic, and you can get 33% off a year subscription by going to theathletic.com slash soccer every day. Thanks for listening, and happy soccer to you all. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.